Okay, we are back in Acts. So we're in Acts chapter 6, verse 1 is where we're at. This past week, beyond the things we prayed for, it was interesting as well. Uh, there was uh, dozens of parents that were found out to, and also uh, business owners and consultants and school admissions people, and you may already know this, uh, but it was found out that parents and admissions officials and uh, business people uh, were actually uh, tweaking the college admissions and entrance systems so that their children could go to the school that they wanted them to go, uh, regardless of the current systems. And, you know, pretty bad stuff, you know, bribes and uh, paying people to take tests for their children. And, and they're, they're thinking that the majority of the children didn't know. So it was set up that, you know, the child would go take the ACT test and they'd turn it in, but they paid to have the proctor there that would take the test for them and they would get a certain score. Fun stuff, right? Uh, not at all. It's, uh, lawsuits are already happening where people from other colleges that maybe didn't get into those colleges are suing because they're devaluing their college degree, which I agree. When you have a system that is where you can manipulate it and you can do those things, uh, the value of it does go down, doesn't it? And, and here's the thing. We know that this stuff goes on. We know that people do things. But when it's in your face like that, it's, it's, it's very disturbing uh, the parents, there's a list of them. Their names are out there. Uh, some of them uh, are CEOs of businesses, uh, products that you and I buy. Some of them are lawyers, uh, people we trust to handle the things that are most important to us. Some are real estate developers, people that uh, build the buildings that we shop in and, and take part in, or, or they build the homes that we live in. Uh, they are, are vineyard business owners, not vineyard churches, but business owners. Uh, they are jewelry business owners. Uh, and, and here's the hard thing, you guys, is even Aunt Becky from Full House and in the Hallmark movies, right? You look at what's going on, and these are very respectful business industries, people. They're not bad people, per se, as you put that. Uh, but if you were sitting around at like a cocktail party with these people and you, you ask them, well, what do you do? Right? They'd say such and such. And wow, it's impressive. And that's typically what we do is, well, what do you do? And it's, it's really the, the, ro- the wrong question when we won't really want to get to the substance of a person. Really the right question is, how do you do? Right? Now, cowboys will say that and stuff. How do you do? But it's actually a really good question. Because I'm not too concerned about what you do, but how do you do what you do? That's the important question. How do you do what you do? Because how, you do, how do you do comes from whom someone follows. Because all of these parents that went down this road and, and things, and there was something that they learned from someone that was important to them, or they were taught something, uh, or a friend that they respected, and they said, don't sweat it. My child got in by this way, you can do it too. And somehow it justified it in their minds. But it came down to who do they follow. So how you and I do what we do depends on who we follow. It absolutely decides what we do. Who we learn from, how we interpret situations, 
how we treat people, how we move past barriers. It's who we follow that defines that in our lives. So this is important for you and I today because you and I are looking for people to share our lives with. You and I are looking to do business with people. Uh, If you're single today, you're looking for someone to marry, possibly. Uh, We're also deciding who we will be, right? It never stops. When you're a teenager and everybody's saying, like, who are you going to be? You know, you think that, oh, I, I don't know, but I can't wait till I'm 35 and I've got it all figured out, right? You know, the the saying is, I want to grow up before I grow old. We always are trying to figure out who we are. And so what we find is that um, someone, what somebody does as far as respect for their field or or whether they're in a certain religious body or a certain religion uh, they attend, or that's less important than who they follow. So when it comes to a person, who do they follow? And for you, who do you follow? It's very important. Um, when it comes to who we want to share life with, I need to ask, you know, who, who do you follow? Who influences you? When I want to do business with somebody or I want to uh, share my life for the rest of my life, marry somebody, uh, who do they follow? Uh, now, th- I want to propose today that the person that we can trust is a disciple of Jesus, is a follower of Jesus. We can trust those that are following Jesus. Jesus said this in John chapter 13, verse 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Everyone will know because of this. Jesus was very clear that those that people could trust where they would be like him are the ones that love. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word today. We thank you for what's recorded here, and we thank you that it goes throughout time, and it hits our life, and we know that you are real, that you are true, and God, we want to be people that can be trusted. We want to be people that are like you. We want to love like you. We want to be like you, and so show us that today. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing we see in Acts chapter 6, verse 1, is that disciples are the answer to pains of life. The disciples are answers to pains of life. And so verse 1, it says, In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained about the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would be not right... It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Okay, so this is the early church. If you've been following along, uh, we see a very rapid and consistent growth of people uh, becoming followers of Jesus. In verse 1, it says, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing. So a disciple is a learner and a follower of Jesus. A disciple in the first century was one that they would work to learn the ways of their rabbi. And typically, the rabbis would choose the best of the best to be their people. Because just in the same way that you would be reflected upon who your rabbi was, so the rabbi would be reflected upon by who their followers were. So there was a certain echelon 
that you would need to be at to really be with one of the top rabbis. Then enters Jesus, and he chooses people like you and I. And no offense, okay, but people that don't have it all together, people that are in process, people that need tons of help, people that get it wrong all the time, and then Jesus calls people like this. But in the midst of that, there's a progression or a trajectory of life that's altogether different, so much so that those that are with Jesus who were thought to be the outside with God, as they were spent time with him, they became the inside with God, all because of relationship with him. So it is today, so it is then. When it says the number of disciples was increasing, we're speaking of people that are learning from Jesus. They're interpreting their life by Jesus. They're, they're learning Jesus' interpretation of history and, and how things are and God. Uh, they're learning what love is from Jesus. But Jesus isn't there anymore. He's not there physically. So it's a different experience than what the first followers of Jesus had. They now are learning to follow Jesus through the ones that were with Jesus. And so it has been for thousands of years. Now, they had growing pains. So specifically, if you look at verse 1, the Grecian Jews uh, among them complained. So if, if you're reading along in our Bible reading program, uh, there's bookmarks uh, on the wall there and sometimes in your bulletin. We've been reading through Exodus at this point. And you see that uh, once the people are let go from Egypt, uh, they start murmuring or complaining. So there's complaining, but then there's murmuring, which is complaining is like, hey, I don't like this. Well, you're going to have to be okay with it. Then murmuring is like, well, I don't want to be okay with it, right? I don't like it. I don't want to eat the food. I don't like broccoli. Is it? Okay, that's murmuring. So that's the kind of stuff that was, was happening here. Uh, the complaint concerned the care of widows. Now, widows in Scripture is very important. Uh, God's heart for the widows and, and, and also the fatherless as well is just out for everyone to see. But these widows were not being cared for. So what happened was is that, um, is that there was Hellenistic Jews uh, or Hebraic Jews. And so the Hellenistic were the ones that, that uh, had taken on Greek culture. And they came to worship uh, during, the, um, during Passover, and they started to follow Jesus. But what happened was is, is the organization was pressed. They had growing pains. You, you go from 120 to over 5,000 within a matter of weeks. Like us, like between kids and adults and stuff, we probably have about 120 or so in our church. So imagine going from that to like 5,000 in a few weeks. What would we do? Do you think some people would say, hey, I'm not getting cared for? Absolutely we would. And so that's what's happening here. And so um, it, it appeared, and it probably had to do with relationship. I don't think anybody was not caring for the, uh, for the Grecian uh, widows on purpose. At least we don't see that here. It's not dealt with. I think we would see it if it was important. Um, but it was probably just relationship. They were more front and center. They could recognize the Hebraic Jews because they lived, up, they lived with them. They were neighbors with them. And so there was a problem here, lagging administration. And so the solution was uh, keeping service central to everyday life. They needed to get more people serving, more people helping with what was happening. Now, the word for 
for service, if you look at verse, verse 1, uh, where it says, uh, it says daily distribution of food. The distribution, uh, is that is the same word as in verse 2, where it says the ministry of the word of God. So the first, first 12 are saying, hey, you know, we shouldn't uh, neglect the ministry of the word, teaching the word, to go wait on tables. In other words, serve food and, and care for these people. The ministry and the distribution, same word, okay? Uh, diakonia, okay? Uh, is, and it's a generic word for service, and it's used in both places. So one isn't greater than the other. Sometimes we think that, like, well, the, the person up front, their service is more important than the cafe or that sort of thing. Absolutely not. We see it in Scripture. There's not any emphasis greater. Uh, it's actually the same thing. And so the, the issue, the issue is, is brought together by service. But we have to ask ourselves, you know, the language of being a disciple, uh, of following. You know, it, it has to do with service. It has to do with coming together. But that's the, that's the, that's the answer to, to pains in life, is disciples. That's who you want, and that's what they're doing. They're, they're, you're going to see in a minute they're going to get some disciples involved. You know, if you have pains in life, a true disciple of Jesus, and it doesn't mean the person has it all together, but it means their core, their substance, when you peel back the layers of the facade and the masks that we all tend to wear, you're going to find a core and a substance that is going in a direction like Jesus for the person that's following. And the hard thing is, is that a lot of times as people enter into the church, this isn't shared. It's about a decision of what's going to happen to me when I die. And then they start reading some things, and then it's kind of like, well, I better know these things, and I better do these things. But when you see Jesus walking the earth, you don't see that. What you see is you see Jesus coming apart uh, upon certain people and saying, hey, you, come and follow me. Come and be my disciple. Come and learn from me. Be a student from me. I don't know if you remember your teachers growing up. Uh, I, I, I sure do. I, I, believe it or not, I got in trouble a lot uh, in, in school. And I, I would typically challenge my teachers and, and say things when I was supposed to and different things. And, uh, you know, the teachers that I loved were the ones that, you know, pulled me in and like, hey, and, and loved me. I was going through stuff. Uh, I remember one of my high school teachers, he's also one of my football coaches, he just thought that I needed hugs. He was a formal NFL player, linebacker, and so he would just grab me. And, you know, and I, I was, you know, I don't know, 205 pounds, football player, big enough, but he would just grab me with one arm like this and pick me up, and he just hold me. Like, okay, I'm done, you know. But, but I learned so much from him. Uh, he was my teacher, and, and I don't even remember what subject he taught, but I, I learned some things from him. And is Jesus like that for you? Is Jesus like that where you say, yeah, he's my teacher, uh, where I'm, I'm learning this from him. He's teaching me this. He's doing this in my life, right? Um, because when you ask somebody about God or about Jesus, you know, what's God like or what's Jesus like? And they go to, you know, well, this verse or that thing. And that's valid, right? But more what I want to know is, is like, no, what's he like to you? 
Like, what's he, what's he doing in your life? What's he been speaking to you? And it, and it can be a verse or different thing. But, okay, now, how's that being worked out in you? That's what we're talking about, a disciple. Because who wouldn't want a person like that in their company? Or who wouldn't want to be married to a person like that that's following Jesus? Next thing that we see in verse 3 in, in going on is that the disciples are the answer to now what, right? You've got this big thing going on. The food is getting out to the right people. We need to find the right people for this. Now what? Things are going bad. What's the problem? Now what do we do? Verse 3, it says, Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn the responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Again, same word there as far as service. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. And so as you go through this list of people, uh, you, you see this emphasis, if you look at verse 3, is that they're known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. And so here's what we know, is that it, this isn't just some sort of uh, thing that you can't tell. Uh, the Bible is very clear that there's fruit of the Spirit. So if someone is full of the Spirit, a lot of times we go to right away the outward, like they do signs and wonders and and, and pray for people and, and, and prophesy and things, that sort of thing. But the primary mode that we see the Holy Spirit do in someone's life is they transform the person. Is that the skeleton is more important than the flesh on the skeleton. So it's not from the outside in, but from the inside out. And so that's what we see is that the fruit of the Spirit is not something that we can set out to do, like in Galatians, what does it say the fruit of the Spirit is? It's okay, speak out. Peace, love, joy, kindness, gentleness, self-control, right? So we can approach that, like that's awesome, right? Those are, that's good stuff. And anybody can approach that and say, well, I'm going to apply this to my life, I'm going to go after that. But within Christianity, within Christian spirituality and, and like how we grow spiritually with Jesus, we don't go after joy. We don't go after peace or kindness or self-control. We go after Jesus. And the one that is joy, the one that is peace and love and self-control works in me so that I now and one that can love, can help self-control, can be joyful, even though things are going wrong, can be peaceful even though it's going wrong. So it comes through the person of Jesus, okay, in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit to take up residence in us. And the fruit of that, if you can tell if somebody's full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, is that there's fruit. It comes out. I've shared before that when we moved to Colorado in 2005, they told us that there was all these fruit trees. And we didn't know 
uh, what, which ones they were. We weren't experienced about, oh, that's got to be this tree or that. So when they started to bloom uh, in, the, in the springtime, we, we were like, oh, I think that one's the apple tree, and I think that one's the, uh, the, the cherry tree, and I, I think that that one's the plum tree. And, and you know, we're looking at this, and, and, and we're like, yes, there it is, and then you see the fruit. And here's the deal. The apple trees, year after year, for the five years we lived there, produced apples. The plum tree brought about plums. The cherry trees brought about cherries. Never any different whatsoever. There was a deer that would come up to our apple tree in our front yard uh, named Buck. He was an old deer. Uh, seemed like he, you know, one leg was always kind of dragging behind. And, and he knew that if he came up to our tree in the front yard that he would always get apples. That's what he would get. And so that's the insurance that they're looking at here is they're saying, you know, go to those kind of people where you know that the fruit of their life is from the Holy Spirit because they're followers of Jesus. They're learning from him. They're interpreting from him. And those are the type of people that you look for. And so what happens is, is that God works in disciples. If you say, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, He's going to work in you. He's going to work in your life. And so you then will be known of being full of the Spirit and wisdom. Uh, and then also, too, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it won't be up here. It says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And so this isn't something that we take on. We join, but it's actually God working in us. He's working in you. And the trick is, is sometimes it doesn't seem like he is. But he always is. He, he never leaves us as orphans. He never leaves us alone. He's always working in us. And then the next thing is he also works through us. And some people try to jump the first part, which is, I want to jump to God working through me, right? And I remember... When I, uh, I started to serve as a, as a high school pastor uh, when I was in my early 20s, and um, I, you know, there was, like, you know, things that happened and stuff and barriers and people and all sorts of things, and, and I told my mentor, like, hey, I, you know, I just, I just want to do ministry, right? I just want God to work through me, and uh, there was a situation with a couple of leaders, and and he called me out, and I remember, still remember there, he, he was a big, burly guy, power lifter. And so he always had the, the AC in his office set at, like, 55. He's from Buffalo, New York. And, and just so he sits there, and I'm telling him this, and in this situation, I'm like, can you believe this? I said, can we just move on with what work, you know? And, and he says, you know, Cody, your love stinks, right? Your love stinks. And I'm like, oh, you're so right. In other words, you're not allowing God to work in you that you become that person that you, God can work through you. And it's always shown by the way we treat people. It's always shown by our relationships with others. So God works through disciples. So um, in verse 4, it says, turn the responsibility over to them uh, so that they would give attention to prayer. And then there's also the ministry of the word. And then verse 6, it says that they prayed and laid hands on them. Uh, so God works in and through people to accomplish his purpose. If you want to look at Ephesians chapter 4, 
the, the church is actually set up uh, not for pastors uh, to do ministry. The actual structure of the church is for pastors to equip you to do ministry. That's my job description, is to help you and prepare you for good works, is to help you follow Jesus and then go out and do that. That's what's really happening here. The next thing that we see in verse 7 is that the disciples have the answer to barriers. Verse 7, it says, So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, so it's still growing. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So you love that last verse? And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So these are guys that, for all ages, were the guys that represented God. But they were off in their relationship. They, they, they had made it about the system. They had made it about uh, the outward versus the inward. And now what's happening is, is that those people had rejected Jesus, but now they're coming to faith. Isn't that amazing? But how does it happen? It always happens through disciples. You know, we, we, we can try to be brilliant with marketing campaigns. We can try to be brilliant by getting into different groups to be influential and change laws and different things and whatever. But the only way that people come obedient to the faith like this is, is number one, by the Spirit of God. God is the one that does it. God meeting the person and working in them and then responding. But it comes through disciples serving. That is, our, that is our number one banner, is love and serving. Since my kids were little, when they started going to preschool or, or, or kindergarten and, and on and on, and now they're in high school and middle school, I, I tell them most days, love and serve people. Love and serve people. Because that's what it's all about. Loving and serving people. That's what the followers of Jesus have. And we can have the market on all the time, because that's what Jesus was all about. Don't let it, don't think that Jesus overcame and conquered the world and conquered you and me by, uh, you know, authoritative power. Like, in other words, you will. Do you read that anywhere? He conquered you and I by authority, but it was authority and love and service. And so that's how that happens here. These priests are, are looking at this, and they're seeing how they care for the widows they're seeing how they care for one another, how they love one another. And so it is for you and I. I've seen it so many times where we gather in a neighborhood and, and you know, have Bible study and get together in a home. And, and, and neighbors are like, what's going on there? Oh, it looks so fun. You know, can I, can I come? Yeah, absolutely. Come on. That's where it, that's where it happens. It happens when we love each other, where people can see that. It's obviously loving others as well outside the church, but serving gets results like nothing else. Absolutely serve. Same thing today. If you have a strained relationship today, uh, you know, have you thought about serving the person? Uh, (laughs) Let me just warn you. Most of the things you try and you shouldn't, I've tried. Uh, You know, if you have a you know, strained relationship, don't like serve and be like, okay, everything's cool, okay? No, serve consistently, small deposits 
even when there's not a thank you, even when there's not, you know, a, a recognition, just serve and love somebody. And in that can melt the hardest of hearts is just serving. Um, the word of God is spread uh, here. You know, it says, so the word of God spread amongst the people. Um, the number of disciples in Jerusalem re- re- increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Uh, so serving is the partner of prayer. And so if you, if you pray for something, for something to change, uh, then and you wonder, okay, now I'm praying, what do I do outside of my, my prayer time? Well, go serve. You know, and so if you want your neighborhood to change or you want your company or your work to change, uh, pray and, and then go serve, right? I mean, that's, that's really, you know, God's, God's heart. We see it all throughout, all throughout Scripture is where you see uh, people praying and then somebody comes and serves and, and changes things. So, so what should you and I do? Uh, what are some actions that we can take out of this? Well, first is, is find, okay? So you, you are looking for somebody in your life. You are looking for, you know, it could be an employee. Um, it could be uh, a spouse. It could be a boyfriend, girlfriend. Uh, it could be all sorts of things, right? It could be uh, a business partner. <clears throat> well, I would encourage you where it's most important, and I'm not saying only hire Christians for your company. That just okay. What I'm saying is, is that where you share yourself the most, look for a disciple of Jesus to involve. Okay, it may be that you need wisdom about who to hire for your company or or for your, you know, jobs and different things, and involve at least a disciple of Jesus in that process. But especially, too, as you look at people around you, find a disciple of Jesus. And, and I also say, too, find uh, somebody to learn how to follow Jesus. What I've found in the church, and I've, I've pastored in three states, all over California, one place in Colorado, and, and now here in the Kansas-Missouri area. And what I've found is that people are much more adept in understanding at doing the things of Christianity, but do not understand so much how to follow Jesus. And what's hard with that is that's what it's all about. That's absolutely what's, what it's all about. And so... Find somebody that follows Jesus. Uh, the same guy that told me that my love stinks. Uh, the way I was, I was started out as, a, as an intern high school pastor, and um, God was speaking to me about teaching and doing different things. And my life, as far as I knew it, I felt hit rock bottom. I was a part of this uh, evangelism school. I had dropped out of college for a year to go to it, and, and there was a girl that I liked in the in the school, and, and, and it wasn't right, it wasn't a fit, and so I was in the bathroom at the graduation for this thing, and like weeping, just like, God, I know you told me to do this, but my life is a mess, I don't know where I'm going to school, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know, um, I feel alone, and I walk out of this, and the same guy, I knew him since I was 15 years old, and um, and I hear him, he says, hey, Cody, 
come on, you know, come, come do youth ministry at North Coast Calvary Chapel. I'm like, okay, right? That Sunday I'm up there, and, and then after a couple weeks, we're sitting there at Claim Jumper enjoying some food, and hey, so here's the deal. You know, you know, Scripture says you're supposed to, you know, figure out, you know, show yourself approved for the, you know, what you're supposed to do and, and all those things and find your, you know, and, and he goes, here's the deal. I think you're here to take my job. What? And, you know, in other words, and, and well, three years later, I, you know, took over the entire, uh, you know, high school ministry. It was a very large church, so hundreds and hundreds of kids. And, and you know, about a year and a half, he and I were talking. I'm like, hey, come on. How long is this taking? You know? But I thought, okay, I, I sure I can teach. I can do these things. But what was happening to me is that God was making the person that could pastor. Right? It's one thing to know that you're going to do something. It's one thing to know that God's called you to something, but it's another thing to be that person. Think of David in the Old Testament, right? I mean, he was anointed king. He was told he would be king, the most powerful person in the country, when he was a teenager. And he, we see him as a very humble person, but yeah, but, you know, hey, I'm really king. But it's one thing to be anointed king, but it's another thing to be the person that can be king. And so in your life, the things that you want and, and the things that you want to have, you want to have a good marriage, you want to have good friendships, you want to, uh, you want to, you know, have uh, wealth in your life, you want to uh, be healthy in those things. Well, it's one thing to want something; it's another thing to be the person that is, and that all comes through Jesus. It comes through following Him, and so we've got to find people that follow Jesus. If you want to learn to follow Jesus and be the person that God made you to be then find somebody that follows Jesus Christ. And it, I'm not talking about somebody that, that attends church or attends religion or attends a certain thing, but they follow Jesus. And there's fruit in their life. And so if you're one of those people that you follow Jesus, then do, do, what, do what people did in my life, which is they came to me and said, hey, I see this in you, let me help you. It has to happen. It has to happen. And then if you're somebody that you're like, I want to follow Jesus, I want to learn, it never stops. I'm looking for all kinds of people still that follow Jesus. And I, if I see somebody following Jesus, I'm paying attention. If you're following Jesus, you've got my attention. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you're a young one or an old one or in between one. If you're following Jesus, my eyes are on you. What can I learn about following Jesus from this person? So it's not about number of years served. It's just, is this person being obedient to the king of life? I want to be a part of that. I want to find out what they're learning about him. So find. So fill in the blanks with the disciple of Jesus. The next thing is to be. So follow my example. This is what Paul says. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. How arrogant. How arrogant. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Here's the thing, guys. That's just not for Paul. That's for you and I, too. So if you're a follower of Jesus, that's your mantra. And here's the thing. That keeps you honest, doesn't it? That keeps you honest with the things that are going on in your life because that's the heart for everybody. That's what we need to be able to say with our life. If you want to know what it's like to follow Jesus, look at me. 
You're not saying you're perfect. You're not saying you do everything right, but you're saying that you follow Jesus. You're not saying it's a straight line. You're not saying you don't mess up, but you keep following Jesus. Uh, this week with spring break, we went to the Evil Knievel Museum in Topeka. Highly recommend it. But you go to Cracker Barrel afterwards and enjoy a meal. It's, it's a wonderful day. But Evil Knievel, as a kid, I remember watching the, the, the video of him. It's just amazing. But what was amazing to me was he was all in, you guys. He was absolutely all in. He started out with his brothers doing like a show and jumping over crates and stuff. And they decided that it was too boring. They were charged two cents for the kids in the neighborhood to view. They decided it was too boring, so they lit the crates on fire, right? So, and then so goes the rest of the story. But he was all in. But he, there's a quote at the entrance of the museum, and, and I'm going to get it wrong, but it's just basically like, you know, the, the difference isn't, you know, how many, and it may be from somebody else too, but um, his spin on it. The difference isn't how many times you fall, but it's, you know, how many times you get up, Right? And so it's not about that you haven't fallen or, or blown it as a follower of Jesus, but it's that you keep following. That's what's key. So be, be that person. The next thing is do. Answer the call of Jesus to follow. Answer the call of Jesus to follow. And so you may have uh, surrendered your life to Christ, and, which obviously is important, and said, Jesus, I give you my life. I trust in you for eternal life. But what about his call to follow him? Right? And here's what it means. It doesn't mean that you're Jesus now, but it means that I'm going to live my life the way that Jesus would live my life. And so I'm going to be, uh, you know, a director at a college uh, the way Jesus would. I'm going to be an accountant the way that Jesus would. I'm going to be uh, a recruiter for HR the way that Jesus would. I'm going to be a farmer the way that Jesus would. May even be a pastor the way Jesus would, Right? I'm going to be a fireman the way Jesus would. I'm going to be a retired person the way Jesus would. Right? That's what it's all about. So answer that call to follow. Do you hear it? Do you hear that call? Because it's different than just entering into a religion or something. It's that call for you, and it's personal, and he can lead you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for... uh, this picture of the early church. Thank you for these people that sought after you with all that they were, God. And, and we want to come to you, and we want to follow you as well. We want to be disciples of yours, Lord. God, we're tired of worrying about clothes, what we will wear, what we will eat, whether we have enough. We're tired of letting our relationship with you, of worrying about whether we're going to have enough. We're tired of just uh, small dreams, God. Small dreams, and, and, and you've already said that you'll provide all the things that we need. You know that we need them before we even ask of you. And so, God, would you raise our sight to look at things higher, that we might follow you in the way that the world needs. Help us to follow you in the way that the world needs God. And so would you just do that as we go into worship here? Would you, you know, if you hear him calling you, follow me, just say to him, I'm in. Just in the quietness of your heart. Just, I'm, I'm in, Jesus. I'll follow you. And then 
listen to him for what he wants you to do. Maybe it's to find that person to help you follow Jesus. Maybe it's for you to find somebody to help follow Jesus. But just, just do business here just for a second. Let's just be quiet and listen to him.